0: Sometimes the specific requirements of the product and our client require us to go farther. You
1: know, as our industry grows more and more towards revolutionizing with more artificial intelligence and, and digital solutions, we're going to continue to be thought leaders in the market.
2: That was Bill Dupere and Stephanie Chesbro. Bill is Vice President for Product Development for Patient Services, and Stephanie is Product Owner eServices on the IT Development Team, and today's guests on Trial Card Talk, news and information on the biopharmaceutical life science industry and the role that Trial Card plays in it. Here's your host, Landy Townsend.
3: Welcome to the November episode of Trial Card Talk, the official monthly podcast series by TrialCard Incorporated, TrialCard is a full-service life sciences commercialization company that provides comprehensive solutions that span the entire biopharmaceutical value chain in addition to a foundation of fully integrated digitally enabled patient support services its broader offerings include everything from late-stage clinical trial management to post-marketing HCP engagement services and proprietary data as a service payer intelligence and insights Founded in 2000, TrialCard provides commercialization needs for more than 400 life science customers and has connected over 36 million patients with more than $22 billion in branded drug savings to date. The company is headquartered in Morrisville, North Carolina. For more information about TrialCard, please visit us at TrialCard.com. My name is Landy Townsend, the VP of Marketing and Communications here at TrialCard, and as usual, I'm joined by our Associate Creative Director, Eric Manning. Eric, how are you today?
2: Doing well, I hope you are. I am Happy post-Thanksgiving or Cyber Monday. That's right. We are
3: are just coming back from the Thanksgiving break uh, with today's episode. Uh, Any exciting stories that came out of your family's Thanksgiving uh, celebration, Eric? Uh,
2: No... uh, no animals were harmed in the uh, making of our Thanksgiving uh, uh, festival. Mm-hmm. And uh, the house wasn't burned down. Uh, fortunately, we almost burned it down a couple of Thanksgivings ago. But
3: That's positive.
2: Well, you know, sometimes you leave stuff in the oven and you forget it's there. And you don't set the timer and you wake up at four in the morning going, that doesn't smell right. <laughs> and you go down to investigate and go, well, I guess we need to change the batteries in the smoke alarms because they didn't go off. <laughs> this is
3: not what I was expecting. <laughs> no, well, you know,
2: crisis averted, lesson learned. That's that's safety out there for you kids. Safety lesson from your uncle Eric. Right?
3: That's right. Any uh, any favorite family Thanksgiving traditions? Do you, you don't you don't do the Black Friday shopping or anything? Uh, not, I, any, any, none of that craziness, I've do you? done
2: it, and then uh, no, uh, I'm a Cyber Monday kind of guy myself.
3: Yeah,
2: uh, I, I I think it's just a lot easier to do it that way um not since the days of the cabbage patch uh <laughs> revolution <laughs> when people were just uh, you know a- a- acting inappropriately to get those dolls back in the 80s I, i'm like nah not doing that anymore
3: yeah
2: um but yeah but leave it to us to you know monetize a, a giving of thanks
3: that's right we <laughs> I, I never was one to you know set the alarm and wake up in the middle of the night and go out and stand in line in the cold to do that. But it, you don't really have to do it anymore, right? You I mean, you mentioned Cyber Monday. Everything can be accomplished online. Well, right?
2: I am really surprised at uh, – well, for example, I'm surprised that places like Best Buy are still in existence and they haven't gone the way of Circuit City, if you remember Circuit yeah, City. exactly. So it's just easier to buy things online. but. Brick-and-mortar stores, I think they've been, just like print media, they've been predicting the death of that for years now. And I I don't think you're ever going to get to a point where you're not going to have a store or some kind of a retail space where somebody can go in to, to get something. It just just seems like such a traditional way of shopping that I don't think it's ever going to go anywhere.
3: I was a Circuit City loyalist. My first stereo, <laughs> I had a mini system. Nice. Uh, it came from Circuit City, and my first computer that i ever bought my it was a desktop packard bell Ah, that was state of the art at the time and now would not would not be (laughs) i'm just i'm
2: I'm, but i'm truly surprised like you know there's there's um, barnes and nobles are are, are still out there yeah if you you can find them i'm truly surprised by that anyway it, it gives me some pause and some hope that we're not going to go completely digital Um, you know music stores are still out there guitar stores which I tend to frequent I I like finding little off the wall or off the beaten path holes holes in the wall guitar stores you can find some really cool things there but uh, now it's just easier for people to shop online and boy didn't that get a boost during the uh, lockdown and everybody was Shopping and ordering food online, having it delivered to their door. Everybody got
3: very comfortable doing a lot
2: of things. And fat.
3: Uh, Yeah, (laughs) yeah, that's right. Well, we've got a couple of great guests here today in the studio. So without further ado, why don't we get right to it?
2: I'll start the car.
3: We are joined today by two of our trial card colleagues, Bill Dupair and Stephanie Chesbro. Bill is the Vice President for Product Development for Patient Services Stephanie is the product owner e-services on the IT development team. Bill and Stephanie, welcome to Trial Card Talk. Tell us a little bit more about yourselves. Bill, we'll start with you.
0: Thank you, Landy. Um, A little about myself. North Carolina, born and raised. Um, I've been at Trial Card now for going be five years in February. Uh, Moved from a product operations client's operations role into a subject matter expert role, mm-hmm. helping our business development efforts. And since then, Joe and Scott and leadership asked if I would move into a product development role for our patient support services. It was really just driving innovation here at Trial Card, uh, in our patient support services business unit.
3: Great. Stephanie.
1: Good to be here. Thanks, Landy. Yeah. Um, so I lead our e-services initiative, um, through both a technical perspective and like a product development perspective. Um, This really includes uh, leading our team of developers who work on this uh, day in and day out um, from the inception of any new ideas uh, through new providers and adding new services to um, our our already um, pretty full um, rounding of services and onboarding new clients as well. Um, My role, I also work really closely with our internal stakeholders. uh, any of our business development folks, our, our pro- program managers, marketing, such as yourself, um, client services, and all the product pro- program directors um, to ensure efficacy, positioning, and the vision of our product. Um, I also interface routinely with um, most of our providers, our e service providers.
3: Great. And how long have you been with TrialCard now?
1: I've been with TrialCard for about two and a half years. Okay. Um, before that, working with um, uh, and, other, and other IT positions um, that kind of led me to um, my my love for the product it, itself. Um, so,
3: fantastic. You both have done a great job. Great additions to the trial card team. We're lucky to have you both. Since Stephanie mentioned uh, e services, um, we're going to start there. We're going to talk about a little bit about our e suite of services and something that we call the orchestrator solution. So, Stephanie, with that, why don't you take it from here?
1: Yeah. So we saw a need uh, for more efficient and comprehensive access to benefits data, um, whether that being like simplifying access um, or verifying a patient has benefits um, and what what or who they're covered under to like a full detailed benefit coverage information. Um, we saw that there was an opportunity that was untapped where um, we could really stretch the way that data is being collected. Um, in, in a way that we, we can leverage uh, partnerships with our providers. In addition to that, our e-service providers, we created um, something that we we internally call the e-suite, which is really just a collection of those e-service providers um, uh, that, that kind of sits within our orchestrator solution. Um, the e-suite's really comprised of a vetted, uh, like best-in-class uh, e-services providers where we've uh, taken the time to really... Um, see what will work and what won't work and how they'll work together. Uh, The orchestrator is also uh, our way of taking e-services to the next level. Um, And it's one thing to just kind of provide a single e-service from a single e-service provider, but the orchestrator um, is is able to apply logic to this process flow, uh, specifically tailored to common use cases in patient support uh, services. This could mean using one provider over another. It could mean um, gathering as much data on a statement of benefits as possible. Uh, The Orchestrator product was really designed to enable our life science clients to keep their primary focus on what's really important, which is helping patients uh, find access to patient therapy.
3: Great, great. And so when we talk about e-services and the Orchestrator solution, um, who is the target audience for these services? And, And tell me what some of the pain points might be.
0: Well, Landy, the original target audience was ourselves and specifically earmarked towards improving efficiency of operations and scaling, particularly at peak periods during the year, for example, the annual reverification period. Uh, and when we started down the process of all the integrations across multiple e services and multiple e services providers, uh, we realized that the model we were creating would be applicable also to um, pharmaceutical services, life science companies with their own internal hubs, uh, which is actually a growing trend in our market. Um, so, again, in closing, ourselves and also for life science entities that seek to access these services. Um, Uh, which are problematic to do so on their own by themselves. And that that segues, Landy, if I may, to the pain points that we were trying to solve for in the marketplace. Um, You know, there are probably three or four. Um, The first is managing multiple e-service providers, and more specifically the contracts, and more specifically within that, how variable... Those contract IAs, data interface agreements, may be, they they constantly shift as new fields become available, and that's problematic administratively to manage. Um, and then Stephanie and her team, and the arduous task of integrating multiple APIs across multiple providers that are have very specific services that require very specific request fields, and then the response fields that come back are sometimes variable. How to deal with those inconsistencies is not something that uh, a pharmaceutical manufacturer with internal hubs is typically used to. Uh, and then third is we had integrations, point, single point integrations in the past, where we relied on an individual provider entity of a specific e-services. And we found that there was a limited reach that they may be able to obtain with respect to how many payers or how many plans within payers that they contract for. Um, And as such, we felt it beneficial to have just not only redundancy in case something happened to our individual um, e-services providers. But also, also by combining multiple providers for the same e-service transaction, we're able to build upon the reach and assure that for our clients and for ourselves that we're able to capture as much of the total market as possible.
1: Yeah, Bill, um, I think you, you did a really good job uh, going over you know what we felt was um, the the main reasons um, you know why. Uh, we wanted to bring this into our ecosystem as well as start offering it externally. Um, I'll just add that uh, you know, around, around some of those points, you, you mentioned simplifying e-services, the, the provider management. You mentioned API integration and, um, you know, of course, the, the broader connectivity to PBMs and payers. Um, along those lines, you know, for the for the provider management, e-service provider management, just m- managing all those contracts can be super cumbersome. So we felt internally that it would be our in our best interest uh, to start not only offering it internally for ourselves, but to to have this be an offering that we offer externally uh, to our life science partners, where they don't have to manage those contracts uh, we do that in-house for them so for example if you know someone came to us and wanted to utilize our pharmacy benefit investigation service then we have contracts set up for multiple providers where we can gather data and you know uh, give it back to them in a response in a way that they don't have to they don't have to deal with having multiple contracts with multiple providers e-service providers the administrative cost and time burden that this would be for uh, you know, our, our partners that we work with is huge. Uh, consolidating the e-service provider management, this allows our internal team to focus uh, more on interpreting the data that comes in to ensure a better output uh, for, for our life science partners. Um, and then, you know, with the API integration, as Bill mentioned, that we have broader connectivity to PBMs and payers um, by partnering with a number of e-service providers, um, so we're you know we're able to securely um, have broader coverage for, for patients by utilizing this larger network of providers. Um, you know, each of these e-services e-service providers have their own proprietary access uh, to a number of PBMs and payers. You know, and having that that broader and more diverse portfolio of e-f- e-service providers you know, with their own connectivity to different subset of PBMs and pairs really increases the potential for, you know, our data capture success rates.
3: If you've heard something today that piques your curiosity and you want to hear more, please check out our entire library of episodes on your favorite podcast platform. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, rate, and review us. And if you'd like to know more about any of our many services, please send us an email at sales@trialcard.com. So how do trial cards, e-services, and specifically the orchestrator solution, you know, uniquely address these particular pain
1: points? Yeah, this is my favorite topic. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, you know, we we simplify the, our e-service provider management, um, you know, by this, this is huge for all of our external partners, um, all of our external life science partners, or really even internally, but... Um, Our partners benefit from the simplicity of establishing one with one contract with just trial card to acquire e-services for their respective patient support programs. You know, they don't have to go out and contract with multiple e-service providers. You know, why would they want a single thread when they can contract once and have access to many? You know, by selecting what's needed in their e-service strategy client, our partners can focus on what's really, what really matters, which is really just simplifying access to therapy for their patients. Yeah, that's huge. Yeah. Um, you know, in the API integration, you know, we provide industry standard REST APIs with common input and output models for each of our e-service types. And this really takes away the burden um, for our, our partners' development teams needing to write different implementations and different data models for various e-service providers. when we onboard a a new partner to use our orchestrator and our subsequent services, we always provide a a standard of open API, you know, for the ease of specifications required for submission of, you know, the data that they're going to send to an e-service provider and, of course, the data that they'll, you know, get back in as a response you know, these, these, what we call request and response models remain the same, no matter the backend e-service uh, provider. So whether it's, you know, data that's going to come back right away, which would be, you know, the, the synchronous data versus data that may come back, you know, a little l- later, like not real time. So, you know, like asynchronous, asynchronous data, it, it doesn't matter the, the same backend still applies. So it's, you, know, you build once and that's it. And then, uh, you know, the, broader connectivity to, to PBMs and, and the payers, you know, using, using our orchestrator solution, we can apply logic to each specific use case uh, to obtain more accurate and complete results. Uh, our orchestrator products can trigger the best e-service transaction from our repository of APIs to ensure the most complete and accurate response specific to each use case you know, if the primary transaction is missing some kind of key information, for example, like deductible met, our orchestrator rules uh, can trigger a secondary transaction through a different network partner provider, um, and then complete the required data set. You know, just by having the the multiple e-service providers at its you know at its whim. Let me let me just be more specific about what we what we actually offer. Um, you know, we've been talking about the e-service providers and um, we haven't really kind of gone through uh, what we actually have in-house and what we can offer to our life science partners. So, you know, we, we can offer pharmacy card finder, uh, which is really like a benefit verification, uh, real-time pharmacy benefit investigation, um, we use uh, a secondary pharmacy benefit investigation that uses voice robotics, which is personally my favorite. <laughs> um, uh, medical eligibility, um, and that's also real time. Uh, we also u- we also have a medical benefit investigation that also uses voice robotics, and uh, finally financial screening, uh, financial assistance screening for patients. So now this is just kind of our our current list. You know, we're always evaluating new. E service providers, and also, like I said before, within each e service provider, we, you know, we are constantly reevaluating what they're offering as new services. We've got lots of providers who are, who are consistently trying to keep up with the market and, you know, be innovative and um, offer new services that they don't currently offer. So, you know, again, we're we're on top of all of that, and we're trying to keep up with the innovation ourselves. I think it'd be really neat to kind of talk about some of these use cases. So I'm gonna pass it over to Bill and, and see what um if you could just kinda of go through some of them.
0: Uh be glad to. Um before I do that though, I wanna amplify something you just said. It's not just our providers who are looking for ways to innovate with their respective e service transactions, but the amount of variability that we see in our portfolio of programs and clients and all the different use cases that they've experienced that force us to ask questions, how better to use these respective e-services. So it's really symbiotic Mm
1: -hmm. and
0: complementary, the orchestrator model, that the overarching ecosystem continues to learn.
1: Right. That's a good point. I mean, we're constantly uh, making changes based on some of these use cases that are new and, and upcoming. It's a it's an ever-evolving thing. Orchestrator is constantly evolving.
0: So to your original question, just to give examples of uh, how these e-service transactions are used going down the catalog, uh, with respect to Pharmacy Card Finder, that's a ra- rather straightforward transaction that uses basic patient demographics, and obtains specifics about what insurance that patient has, parentheses or not, which is also important. Uh, So we commonly use it as an intermediate transaction to apply to uh, e-prescription enrollment to a program service, uh, what insurance that patient has, which is then the precursor to determining what that insurance Says about that respective product. We're also using that transaction during the re-verification process uh, to determine if there's been any changes in that patient's insurance uh, since baseline. Similarly, if we switch now to medical benefits, e-eligibility, that transaction is essentially the same, basically, Uh, as a pharmacy card finder, except it's more specific to the patient's medical insurance. Um, It uses the standard 270-271 transaction. And like the pharmacy card finder, we use it to confirm does the patient have insurance or not, what insurance they have. And the beauty of this transaction versus the pharmacy card finder, for example, is that it'll go farther and give more information about on the medical benefit side, more information with respect to the patients or family out-of-pocket deductibles, how much has been met already, how much is required. Um, Now, with respect to Stephanie's point about both synchronous data uh, and asynchronous data, we use that symbiotically for a pharmacy benefit investigation where we use an electronic real-time benefit investigation, uh, which has several names um, in combination with uh, our voice robotics uh, to complete a complex patient benefits investigation. Sometimes, depending on the requirements from our individual uh, life sciences partner, they're benefits investigation may be rather narrow, may be rather general. However, sometimes the specific requirements of the product and our client require us to go farther. So if we can't obtain the completed benefits in one transaction, we have the choice, as Stephanie mentioned, of using another transaction. Or conversely, we have the choice of going straight to the more complete transaction first uh, so with respect to the electronic pharmacy benefit transaction also known as a real-time pharmacy benefit real-time pharmacy benefit investigation real-time pharmacy benefit check those are all synonyms we use that to determine if the drug is covered or not is a pa required or not is in a bridge re-verification we determine if the coverage from the prior inquiry has changed or not. We use that to determine the patient's out-of-pocket expenses, their copay, uh, provided that information is available in the transaction. And we also use that to determine whether or not, um, you know, what type of insurance they have, the category of insurance, government, commercial, and the like. Stephanie, you mentioned previously your favorite was AIBI voice robotics and that's become integral to our portfolio both for the pharmacy benefit and the medical benefit uh, particularly for those peak demand periods uh, as we mentioned earlier in the annual reverification, particularly for medical benefit brands um, but it's also been uh, fun to follow and become more accustomed and experienced with because their technology is continuing to grow. The number of payers that they're able to contract with to accept this technology continues to grow. We've learned better how to optimize use of these technologies, Mm -hmm. Um, and we are now anchoring it as one of our pivotal platforms um, in front of and before use of our humans to obtain similar information. And it leaves our staff in the enviable position of not spending their time necessarily always collecting the primary information, but instead now uh, increasing the skill of our staff to be interpreting the information to help patients access uh, these complex therapies.
1: Yeah, that's true. I mean, one thing I'll add is I think it's it's important to note that the e service, you know, for like for example, uh, you know, we could do a medical eligibility ahead of one of these artificial intelligent uh, medical benefit investigations, um, and we can gather information about whether they're not whether or not they're even. Eligible before we even run, you know, one of the one of these other transactions, one of these AI BI transactions. Um, so I think you know it, the importance of, you know, in the use case of coupling, uh, you know, our transactions together is is really something um, that's that's pretty you know pretty creative and and innovative, from my perspective.
0: And I think it's important for our listeners to know that when when you say AI BI as the transaction, we're not applying prior experience on a specific payer and applying AI logic for that individual patient that instead our transactions are direct outreach to the payer for each individual patient. We're not using artificial intelligence (laughs) based on prior results Mm -hmm. to apply to current Results that instead, this technology is totally separate, and it's as I just mentioned, um, outreach directly to payers using voice robotics for that individual patient yeah. at that specific time. Yeah.
1: yeah, that's that's right. That's a good point.
3: This this will continue to evolve, and like you all have uh, have expounded on already, but. Um, Let's talk about the future of TrialCards eSuite and the the orchestrator solution. Where do you see it all going?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. You know, really, the landscape uh, of our industry with respect to uh, you know what's available, um, the catalog of PBM and payers who are participating, it, that's only going to increase over time, um, and the use cases for these e services will continue to advance as well. Um, you know, the list of e-service providers that we partner with is is definitely going to evolve. And we're going to continue to, you know, vet out the ones that are, that are really pushing hard for, you know, increasing what they're offering, increasing who they're connecting with. You know, it's the existing ones are already constantly adding to their portfolio with, you know, with new service offerings and um, new versions of if, you know, their existing services. So it's, it's only going to get better, uh, you know, we're, we're going to be right there in front of it um, for every, you know, for every step of the way, you know, and, and this is really, I mentioned this before, but our, our orchestrator solution is really an ever-evolving, you know, it's, it's an ever-evolving product that, that we at TrialCard have created. You know, as our industry grows more and more towards revolutionizing our industry with more artificial intelligence and, and digital solutions, we're going to continue to be thought leaders in the market on how these e-services are really being utilized so that we can maximize our data output.
0: That's great. So, Landy, if I may, I want to add one other point to Stephanie's summary. You know, Stephanie mentioned that the catalog will grow and the payer reach will grow and that the orchestrator model is ever evolving. All of that's true. Uh, But another point is the business rules engine. Its applicability to assume consume data scan the data it has and know from a rules engine's perspective what transaction needs to be done next
1: yeah and that really comes down to us uh, you know at trial card here working with our life science Partners in in you know figuring out what their needs are, uh, and alongside of what we are determining what our needs are. You know this is all very new technology, so us working with our partners and fi- figuring these things out—that's where the innovation really comes in. That's where we are constantly changing our orchestrator solutions so that it is smarter and it's working harder, and it's. Gathering, uh, you know, it's taking data that it may have gotten from a previous transaction and applying it to the next transaction. You know, that's that's really what our, our goal is to continue to make it smarter, so that it's it's doing more of the work and less like you know Bill had mentioned earlier. So our you know so in our case managers and you know external our our external partners case managers can focus on and really learning um, what the data means rather than trying to get the data.
3: So if a prospective client hears this podcast and is interested in learning a little bit more about uh, the Orchestrator Solution and Trial Cards services what are the next steps, Stephanie?
1: Yeah, so I would say I would encourage you to reach out to myself um, or Bill on our LinkedIn. Um, We're more than happy to uh, converse with you there. Um, You know, another way is just to um, reach out at, at sales uh, at trialcard.com, and we're always more than happy to talk to anybody about the Orchestrator solution. We're very excited about it. We, you know, we have a lot of obviously we're we're very passionate about it. Uh, any any new or existing prospective partners that want to that want to work with us, you can reach out to your dedicated sales team as well. If you already have somebody that you talk to, you know, during these conversations we do we do kind of ask that you we tend to get the same types of things. Like what are, you know, we we try to ask the same kinds of questions, like what are your typical use cases? So, you know, if you kind of have that going into the conversation, that would definitely help um, us understand like where you are sitting in terms of, you know, what you're looking for so that we can help better help you, you know, like what your we, we, it'd really be good to understand like what your desired output is Um, you know, is it to complete a statement of benefits, for example, or, um, you know, would it be better for us to just run a proof of concept and kind of see where you land with your patients in terms of what e-service providers, you know, we work with um, just so that there, you know, we can get the best overall process flow to achieve, you know, your your best results. So, Bill, is there anything else you want to add to that? Yeah, well said. Thank you. Yeah. All so, right. we look forward to hearing from Whoever wants to to talk with Bill and I, again, we're super passionate about it. So thanks, (laughs) Landy.
3: Okay, we want to thank our guests today, Bill Dupair and Stephanie Chesbro for joining us. We hope to have you guys back soon. You're always welcome anytime.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
3: As I mentioned once before, if you heard something today that piques your curiosity and you want to hear more, please check out our entire library of episodes on your favorite podcast platform. And if you like what you hear, please subscribe, rate, and review us. If you'd like to know more about any of our many services, please send us an email at trialcard.com. Until then, stay safe and be well. And we will see you in December for our annual Best of 2022 episode, where we recap the people and topics that we brought you during the year. The Trial Card Talk podcast is a production of Trial Card Incorporated, it is edited and produced by Trial Card Associate Creative Director Eric Manning. Trial Card Talk and its content are the property of Trial Card Incorporated, Morrisville, North Carolina, U.S.